Welcome into another Q&A questions in alcohol. And this time, uh, there, there, there is a little bit of questions about alcohol, but as we, we talk about on this show, we talk about food, art, uh, alcohol in Kentucky and beyond. And I think uh, th- this next topic is gonna cover a lot of those uh, in, in a fun way. We're joined by Albert W.A. Schmid. Did I say Schmid right? You did. Yeah, awesome, you got awesome. it. Awesome. I was practicing. I was practicing because, like I told you before, once I hit the record button, you never know. He is an executive author, executive chef, and educator. And his most recent book is Burgoo Barbecue and Bourbon: A Kentucky Culinary Trinity. Albert, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, you know, as I was looking up, um, I don't want to, you know, age you at all, but you have a little bit of experience, uh, you know, as a chef and, and so forth. Can you talk about that experience and just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I, I've, I've been extremely fortunate. Um, I started uh, in high school uh, and this was just a high school job. You know, it was one of those things that you do while you're in high school. And I was a candy maker. So I was working for a company uh, in San Antonio, Texas. And um, then long story short, my father was a Presbyterian minister and he got a call to a a church in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, I was, you know, going from high school to college and I was reclassified uh, in college as an out-of-state student, even though I had never left the state. And, And so I was stateless. And so I moved up to Nebraska um, and actually I, I really was stateless because uh, Texas didn't want to recognize that I was a Texas citizen. When I got to Nebraska, I found out that I couldn't enter the University of Nebraska without sitting out for a while um, because I was I had not lived there. And so um, I was without state. And so I went to work and I basically took my knowledge of candy making with me to Nebraska and then sort of evolved into a baker and then, um, you know, just kept working. And it has taken me around the world uh, to many different uh, countries. I've cooked in uh, London, uh, in Britain, and um, I've also done it uh, in other, uh, in a lot of states. So it's been a, a wonderful ride. Fantastic. Well, and, and you also enjoy writing and, and uh, I, I was able to read through uh, Burgoo Barbecue and Bourbon a, a little bit before we chatted. Uh, what can folks expect with this book? Because um, I feel like it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how you kind of approach it and, and all the information you get. Oh, it, I'll tell you what, this started off as a really small project. It was just going to be a book on Burgoo. Um, and what I realized very quickly was, is that um, it, it sort of expanded beyond that. Uh, because burgoo goes with uh, barbecue and then uh, there are all the side dishes and the breads and then there's bourbon drinks that can be had and there's sort of a connection to uh, Kentucky politics Um, and so that's sort of how the book came together. It also came together because um, Western Kentucky University was gifted Um, a very large number of regional cookbooks. Uh, And I want to say it was something something to the effect of like 2,400 cookbooks. And um, I had been down to Western Kentucky to uh, guest lecture. Um, I was friends with, uh, and still am friends with several professors there. 
including one of the people who was a professor at the library. And he called and said, could you come down here and look at these books and see if we should keep them or sell them? Or um, And so I went down and I reviewed uh, the books. I spent a very long weekend in their library um, just going through the collection. And it was absolutely amazing. Uh, some of these cookbooks, some of them were extremely rare, probably, you know, only had a run of 250 copies. Um, and so, but as I was flipping through the cookbooks, I was finding recipes that I had never seen before um, and that were a little dated or, uh, and you know, meaning that they were from the 50s or 60s or 70s. Um, and I thought that actually sounds good. And so, uh, you know, that was also part of what brought this project together. And then for those that are unfamiliar, what is Burgoo? <laughs> okay, so Burgoo, for those who are familiar with barbecue, um, if you're familiar with what Brunswick stew is, it's similar to that, but, um, and, and I can get into, you know, where the word Burgoo comes from, but, uh, basically, it is a version of Brunswick stew that's very soupy instead of stewy. And so, and, and to be more specific, uh, it has to have um, a bird from the air and a beast from the field. So it can also vary greatly. You can have, uh, you know, theoretically, you could use turkey and beef, or you could use chicken and pork. And it, they're still burgoos. Um, but they would be very different. And, and then the name, I just feel like it's a, you know, it, it's, it's one of those food types that if you're in an area that, that it's, you know, kind of runs rampant, you're probably very familiar. If you're not, you're going, what in the world? And then you're like, how do you say this word? Where, where, where does it come from? <laughs> right, right. Um, so let's see, Burgoo, it's actually, at least the research that I did, um, sort of pinned it down to sort of an kind of an oatmeal-like stew that was used by the British. And, um, you know, and then there are several other uh, possibilities for that. Um, a town in West Virginia, um, I, I was recently looking at a, um, a map of Spain um, and there's there's a town, uh, Burgos, it's a B-U-R-G-O-S, uh, so it's really close. Um, and I was thinking, is there a connect? And of course, I don't think, I don't know that there is, but I just thought that that was very interesting. So, but I, I think it was from uh, the British uh, sailing ships where they would do an oatmeal porridge kind of stew and they just borrowed the name. Uh, it's always interesting to see where, where things come from. And, you know, in the book, you kind of give an overview history of a lot of the different parts. You know, you talk about the burgoo, barbecue, bread, dessert sides, even the bourbon. Um, why, why kind of go with that, that history overview and then some recipes? Why kind of give that fun background? Because some of it is a little more fun than, than maybe others. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, I, I think uh, one of the interesting things about Oh, I mean, well, the United States, as young as it is, and I say as young as it is, uh, relatively speaking, it's a young country, um, but it has some really rich and interesting history. Um, and I think that the food that we eat is tied to that history, um, and you can't separate the two. 
Um, for example, barbecue. Uh, when you start talking about barbecue, um, depends on where you're at, uh, on what it is. So I grew up in Texas. So for me, brisket, that is barbecue. Um, but I've also lived near Kansas City. Um, and so there's a rich sauce that goes with that. I've also lived in North Carolina. Um, and you actually have two traditions in North Carolina. Um, but Kentucky has its tradition too. And it came out of um, a particular thing. So understanding the history is super important to understanding why uh, Kentucky has its barbecue tradition and why it's different from everywhere else. Well, and, and I mean, depending on who you ask, Owensboro uh, likes to claim that they're the barbecue capital of, of the world. Of the world, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you were finding recipes, where where did those recipes come from? Did they come from some of those books that you were, you know, kind of looking through? Were they some that you already kind of had known? Because um, there's, there's, like you said, there's some kind of maybe modern ones and then some, some older ones, historical ones. Right. So um, it started off with, uh, and I was traveling regularly down to Western Kentucky. Uh, the thought process was my, my work schedule in Louisville, um, I had half days on Fridays. And so I would leave um, as soon as I got off work and I would travel down to Bowling Green and I would spend the night a professor uh, friend, uh, Wes Berry, put me up at his house. And then what I would do is in the morning, I would go in and um, I would go to the library and I would report in and start researching. That lasted just a short period of time. And the reason is, is because the state uh, was working on some uh, money saving measures. And so they started closing the libraries on Saturday. So I didn't have that. So I started ordering books, sort of trying to replace. And, and I was looking for specific titles. I was able to find them. And so I built my own little library. So I, sort of a combination between the two, having uh, access to Western Kentucky University's library and then also building my own library uh, and being able to research this. Uh, and it was fascinating because uh, you, could, you can see sort of an evolution of certain recipes, uh, especially the barbecue. And, um, and Wes Berry, who, who wrote the book on Kentucky barbecue, he and I had this discussion about how it used to be this one thing, um, whole meat and you know a marinade and kind of a sauce, and it sort of devolved into ground beef. And you see that in the book. And, and that's kind of a I mean, there's still really, there's sort of a, uh, a revival of the old uh, way of making barbecue, but th there is that sort of, uh, you see that in the book, uh, you know, where people are starting to use ground beef. And that's, it's valid, it, but I don't know that it was barbecue per se. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, I, I enjoyed talking to, to Wes about, about some of his, his books and and uh, for those looking, you can go to our website, find it hopspirits.com, that, that Q&A. Um, you, when you're researching a book like this and you're able to find some of those older recipes, those almost in a sense lost recipes, how much fun is that for you to, to be able to give those kind of new life and also just probably searching for them? I mean, that's kind of like, you know, a treasure hunter's dream is to, is to find some of those. 
It is. So, I mean, so you have the, you have the recipes that you're absolutely looking for, but then you have some surprises. Um, and there was one recipe in particular where I was flipping through the book and I was just reading the titles of the, the recipes and I flipped the page and went, Ooh, and, and, you know, closed that book and went to the next one. And then I found a similar recipe. So I went back to the first book, opened it up, sort of marked the page, had the second book, and then it sort of ended up being a pile of books um, that featured this one recipe. And then it was taking all of those recipes, finding the recipe, but, it, and, I, and it, was, it was okay, but I, I wanted to get it to a different place. And so we sort of uh, did four or five different batches where we were trying to um, manipulate the recipe uh, on the culinary end. Um, because this recipe and it's pinto bean pie, and by pinto bean pie, I'm not talking about an appetizer. I'm definitely talking about a dessert. Okay. And the first, like when I first saw that, I was like, ooh. And I could see that. <laughs> yeah. And it was not, I, you know, I, I can't, I mean, beans are great. I love burritos and I love, uh, you know, bean dip, but I would never, ever have considered it to be a dessert. So um, anyway, we, it, it turns out it's very similar to like a pumpkin pie or a uh, sweet potato pie. And really you can't tell the difference. Um, and, and what I mean is, is if, if I just presented you a piece, you, you would say, oh, this has a little bit darker color than pumpkin pie, but it tastes very much like pumpkin pie. Um, and it has that custard kind of filling. What we tried, what we manipulated was when we baked it, uh, there was a, this crust that would form on the top. And what I wanted it to be more like was um, uh, more like a pumpkin pie where it was more of a custard kind of. Uh, and so that's what we, uh, and, and I worked with a group of chefs, including um, uh, just an incredible master chef whose name is uh, David Dodd. Uh, who was my boss at Sullivan University at the time. And um, he now lives in Indiana. And, uh, you know, we went back and forth and talked about how to adjust the recipe so that it would end up in the final form the way we wanted it to, to end up. So that sounds like anyway. a, a lot of fun. I mean, would, would you do that with a, a lot of the recipes that, that to make sure that they were actually doable? You know, like people could produce them. Absolutely. And that's the goal. I think that should be the goal of any cookbook is when you uh, write down a recipe, it doesn't necessarily have to be yours. Um, and I was very careful to cite, uh, you know, I got this recipe from this particular cookbook. Um, but I think it's important to, uh, you know, when you're, when you're trying to create something uh, that it it can be duplicated by the person reading the book um, because you don't you know, I and I have I, I have several cookbooks where I've tried to recreate it and and I think oh my gosh I'm, I've been a professional for a very long time in the kitchen if I can't recreate this I don't know how anybody could so um, you know I, I feel like it's important to make sure that you have that and you know 
while, while you're not in Kentucky now, like you said, you 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 worked in, in Louisville Sullivan University for a, a good while, almost two decades. Um, what keeps drawing you back to write about the state and its foods and and things like that? Well, I, so it boils down to this. It boils down to the fact that you can take the boy out of Kentucky, but you cannot take the love for the state or the Commonwealth out of the boy. And um, I we have family, friends, uh, many, many friends uh, there, and we are up there regularly. Um, the other thing is, is that, and I, and I, I guess if, if somebody's not going to help safeguard Kentucky cuisine, um, because things evolve, um, it, you know, recently I went to a Korean restaurant that's down here in Florida, um, and the food is good, and it's run by somebody from Korea. And I had this discussion with them, and they basically said, yeah, we had to eventually dumb down the food so that the Americans would eat it. And so you see this sort of evolution of uh, authentic Korean food into something that Americans will approach. And I, I felt that way about this book and about Kentucky cuisine. Kentucky has some really amazing um, creations. The hot brown is one of them. Um, you know, love it or hate it, get a from Northern Kentucky, um, you know, uh, and other dishes. And I just felt like we have to keep this as authentic as possible. So. And, you know, you, you write a lot of, of books or have written a lot of books, mostly right in your wheelhouse, food and, and alcohol. Why, 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 why those books? I mean, I know obviously you're a chef and things like that, but I mean, even the cocktail books, I feel like that just interesting uh, a strategy there, unless you just enjoyed uh, the, um, the research is what I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> the research, right. So um, I guess it, when I did my first book, my first book was a textbook on wines, beers, and spirits. And the way that I approached writing that book was, um, you know, when I was teaching the class wines, beers, and spirits, we had this book, and no offense to the book, great book. It was about this thick, okay, and it had 36 chapters and an entire alphabet of appendices. And one day I was lecturing in class, and I just offhandedly asked the students, are you guys even cracking the book? Are you?" And they were like, no, we buy the book, but it's so intimidating, we don't even really read it. And so my thought was, is there a way to distill, no pun intended, this book down into a, uh, you know, something that is approachable to the students? And that's what I did with that first book. So then I already, you know, I already had the cooking experience. Then I have this. Uh, then I, I ran across a little book uh, by Joe Nickel, Colonel Joe Nickel, uh, on the mint julep. And I felt that it was important uh, I thought they did one on the mint julep. Maybe they'll do one of the old fashioned. And so I approached uh, the University Press of Kentucky and said, you know, you published this other book. How about this, you know, book on the old fashioned? They said they gave me the green light for it. Um, and then I also produced the, the Kentucky bourbon cookbook. And those were about the same time. Um, and so we had the food and the liquor, and then it just sort of went from there. And so that sort of gave me, I guess, street cred on being able to write about. 
you know, food and about cocktails and, uh, you know, and, and the research has been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I was going to say, there's nothing wrong with being able to do a little bit of research on that. I mean, when you think back to, you know, burgoo, barbecue and, and bourbon, were there any recipes or, or things that really just stood out to you? Maybe one or two uh, across the book that just, you, you, when, when you found them, it was awesome. And when you made it, it was maybe even better. Uh, Woodford pudding. Uh, which has nothing to do with Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve is is uh, a, a wonderful uh, bourbon, um, but this really refers to the county. Um, and so uh, the Woodford pudding, uh, that's something that any time that I'm able to make that anywhere that I am, uh, I recently made it here uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, I did a cooking class on how to cook with bourbon. And... Uh, I featured Woodford pudding, which has no bourbon in it, but had a bourbon sauce that went on top of it. Um, so that recipe in particular. Uh, but there were some bread recipes that I came across. One, um, if people uh, have, you know, they buy Bisquick to make biscuits. Um, there's a recipe for a Bisquick type mm. product um, that you can make ahead. And then all you have to do is just like you would Bisquick, but you're making it yourself. So, um, but then also the desserts, uh, I wouldn't have re originally recommended the pinto bean pie, but I do <laughs> recommend that. So, uh, but uh, also just looking at how things have evolved uh, in Kentucky cuisine. So. As I was gonna say, I, I really enjoyed it because especially just seeing one, getting that history, some, some were a little shorter, some were a little longer on the, on the backgrounds, which makes sense based on, you know, what, what the categories were, but to have all of that in such a very digestible um, format and one that you can kind of flip through, mark the pages you want, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and, and before I let you go, what's, what's next for you, what, what are you doing now, and you got any uh, new books or any uh, ideas coming out? Absolutely. So I, I have um, a book that I'm working on with the University Press of Kentucky, uh, and it's like Bourbon 101. And so, uh, you know, for those people who want to get into bourbon, but don't really know where to start. And basically, it's Bourbon 101. It's bourbon in 10 short lessons. And so it's a short book. It's not a huge book, but it's something to get people um, sort of give them a launching point. Uh, the interesting part about this book is that uh, it actually has a lot of memories for me in my interactions with master distillers from Kentucky. So I, I was not originally a bourbon drinker, um, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I, you know, I didn't like bourbon. It, it had to do with I'm allergic to corn, and I mistakenly, uh, just knowing what bourbon was made out of, made the assumption, well, if it's made out of corn, I really should stay away from it. Um, Lincoln Henderson, uh, who was at Brown Foreman at the time and eventually went to open Angel's Envy, uh, was the one who turned that for me. Um, so I was at a professional conference in uh, 2003 in San Diego. Uh, we ran into each other through a mutual friend. Uh, he offered to buy a, a glass of uh, bourbon and I said, oh, I can't do it because uh, yeah, I'm allergic to corn. And he said, what you're allergic to is distilled out in the process. So tonight you're drinking bourbon. And, and so, and I, and I haven't looked back since. Um, 
and but so that's one. But then after the Kentucky Bourbon Cookbook, uh, I found myself speaking on panels with uh, Jimmy Russell and Chris Morris and Parker Beam, Craig Beam, um, uh, Susan Regler, uh, Peggy No Stevenson, uh, Fred them, No, yes. and, and and you know Fred Menick. Um, and so it was interesting. I was on those panels because I was the expert on cooking with it. And one of the best things for me was to sit on those panels and to absorb every, all of the expertise. Mike Veach, I forgot Mike Veach. And how can you forget that man? Um, you know, I was absorbing everything that they were saying. And so the new book is really focused on the lessons that I learned uh, and just passing those on and getting people uh, excited about, uh, you know, the the spirit, the American spirit. So, I love it. I love it. So, so you you have is that going to be called the uh, the Kentucky Bourbon Cookbook two or is it two point or or what? Are you unsure yet? Okay. Well, so the working title is Bourbon one hundred and one. Okay. Also, it's all in Bourbon one hundred and one. Right. It's all about bourbon. Okay. So. And it's, it's getting somebody, you know, somebody says, I think I want to start drinking bourbon. Great. This, this provides a roadmap of things that people should do, um, how to taste professionally. So you get a glass of bourbon. What's the first thing that you do with it? Um, but then also talking about the differences in types of bourbon so that people can sort of move in that direction. Great example. Um, you know, the difference between my father and I, and I, I referenced that in the book. Um, so my father has been a bourbon drinker, was a bourbon drinker for many, many years. I remember uh, when we were living in New Orleans, Louisiana, and he uh, handed, or, well, he, he was drinking a glass of bourbon, rough day uh, uh, as, as a pastor. And, and he would always talk about two fingers of bourbon. I need, you know, I'm going to have two fingers of bourbon. And so he poured it into the glass and he was really good about uh, letting me experience the world. And so I said, Hey, can I have a taste of that? And he said, no, 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 this is an adult drink. I'll let you smell it. And so he let me smell it and it put that on my radar. Um, and anyway, he liked weeded bourbons. Okay. So, and, um, what we came to find out later is I like more of a classic recipe or more of a rye it's not that I, if somebody hands me a glass of Maker's Mark, I'll, I'll drink it. Okay. <laughs> You're not saying no. <laughs> I, I'm not saying no. And old Fitzgerald's fantastic too. Um, but, you know, for my taste, I like things with a lot of flavor. Uh, so I usually tend to gravitate towards uh, the rye bourbons or the classic uh, recipes of bourbon. Um, but that's an important distinction so that, you know, and I, and I think that everybody should have at least three bottles of bourbon, okay? Uh, one classic recipe, one rye, and one weeded bourbon. And then that way, anybody who comes over, you can enjoy a glass of bourbon, regardless of what their tastes are. Well, that, that sounds like an awesome book. And, and pulling from, from all those folks who I've gotten to talk to, some of them on, on the podcast or, or the various podcasts and, and others I've just gotten to, you know, admire from afar. So that sounds like a, a great group to pull knowledge from along with just the knowledge and, and the history that you have. And for those wanting to find out more, Albert Schmidt, 
albertbrooks.com also on social media albert uh and the book is out as well Burgoo, Barbecue, and Bourbon. You can find his other books as well. Uh, Albert, this was so much fun and so informative. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. My pleasure.